All right. Uh, we are going to start like we always do with an opening prayer, an opening invocation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead it and open us up. And then if someone could close us out, I would uh, really appreciate it. So I'm just going to invite everybody to close your eyes. We're going to take three deep breaths. Infinite Creator, there is only one reality. That reality is the way that love is manifested, given, received, shared, and returned. And it's such a delight and joy to be awakened at least to the level to intentionally participate in this cycle and circle, this circle dance, this circle of love. We ask that you bless this night, this conversation, so that we can learn a little bit more about your nature, our nature, and nature itself. Amen. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to give just a very brief summary on uh, the Yahweh Confederation from last time. It'll be so brief that you'll think that wasn't even what uh, Neil talked about, Doug. <laughs> but um, it is already out on the podcast, so you can go to the podcast and, and listen to it. And um, there you go. But basically, um, Neil did a really good job, in my opinion, of uh, expressing kind of the weirdness that we see from the law of one material as well as quo on uh, what is going on with Yahweh. <clears throat> and what we see is presented by the law of one is that Yahweh is a social memory complex um, that was a guardian of Mars and brought over the Martian souls after they blew up the planet and brought them to Earth so that they could be a part of the root stock of souls on Earth. Yahweh also, um, from the point of view of the Guardians, or the point of view rather of the Council of Saturn, uh, Yahweh infringed. There, was, there were some mistakes going on. And they in, uh, repeatedly tried to intervene and to help out the humans. And they had some kind of affection towards Earth's humanity, particularly the uh, Martian souls. And so there was a way that uh, the Yahweh group, even though you would think that they would be very advanced in the social memory complex in the Confederation, they would be very advanced. Um, their actions seemed pretty naive, even more naive than and, than Ra's actions in the Confederation. So it kind of leads us to think: well, What is going on here? Um, who are? What is this group? And how can we understand, let's say, uh, Ra's understanding of Yahweh and the Confederation's understanding of Yahweh? And how do we take that and connect it? Or is it possible to connect it with? the sense of um, the biblical tradition of Yahweh in a Judeo-Christian kind of sense, because that's, that's my background, so that's of interest to me. And I think that there is a way, and I'm going to be presenting that. So what I'm going to be basically stay, saying tonight is that I believe I'm going to be a total heretic <laughs> from a from a Christian point of view. I will be a total heretic. Uh, I, from a conventional Christian point of view, I think if for those of us who are familiar with the works of Tehar de Chardin, um, Ilia Delio, uh, Richard Rohr, um, some of these daring theologians that that are looking at 
um, how God can be also in process of becoming. For those uh, Christians who can think in those ways, then this would not be so heretical. But it's still going to be kind of weird because there's aliens involved, you know, and that always gets sticky. Um, on the other hand, I think for those who are strictly law of one folks, which normally I find the law of one folks uh, that are that are drawn to the material, um, oftentimes there is an antipathy against religion, particularly maybe Christianity, and it's understandable. Um, there's, I get it, but I, I think that this might actually challenge them too. So, with all of that said, I don't think I'm right. I know I'm pretty distorted. Um, but if anything, maybe this will be of interest. But what I hope is, is that it might be intriguing enough to just think it might be somewhat true in some ways. All right. So, if we're going to examine the Confederation Yahweh that's presented in both the Law of One material and the Quo Channeling, I think it's, it's nice to start out with um, the basic question is who or what is the creator? Because we're not going to get a better understanding of Yahweh until we ask a little bit about the process of the creator uh, understanding itself. And so this is going to be quick, cursory. Um, you can re-listen to it if, if we need to once I post it on the podcast. There, this will be up in the paper form or at least long print. That's there too. But here are some questions that I think would be great. Who and what is the creator? Why is there something rather than nothing? Why does creation evolve? How does creation evolve? And to what end does creation evolve? And what is the relationship between, between the creator and creation? You know, all of these things are important to understand. So, um, this was a while uh, coming, but I finally came to at least a definition that I, I like, at least today. <laughs> the creator is the who, the why, and the how of eternal becoming. That's how I'm defining the creator. Um, the creator is the who, the why, the how of eternal becoming. And what I mean by that is the creator is always in the process. It's a protean, a protean entity, protean entity, I guess you could say it. I looked up uh, protean and it, and it means, um, it means an entity that is capable of being malleable or can uh, ever evolve like a kaleidoscope is another synonym there. So it's an entity that can grow and change um, and it learns upon a macroscopic cell, all right? What is an entity? Well, one of the things that Rod talks about, I think, if you look carefully, is an entity is a single unit of consciousness. I mean, a simile, a, a simile would be a being, or a synonym, rather. And that can range from a single photon. It can go to one of the four densities we find in first density, such as um, air, fire, earth, water, those are entities. Um, we can also see like even a fish in second density would be an entity. In a third density, uh, a mind-body-spirit complex is an entity. And in fourth density, once those mind-body-spirit complexes come together and form a unified organism, a unified uh, communitarian organism, a singularity, that is also an entity. So you will talk, you will hear Ra talking about a planetary entity. Um, it might have been just one, one representative or one cell to you and I, it would be one being. But um, at the level of fourth density and higher, an entity can be one member of a social memory complex or it can be the entire social memory complex is an entity because we're talking about a singularity. So one of the things that I like to understand or think about entity, I'm going to read this verbatim as what I've written here. An entity can be a cell within a larger organism or an entity can be a new gestalt, what Rawl calls a complex. 
which is some unified plural, plural, plurality that is bigger than the sum of the parts. So, for example, we might have uh, two hydrogens and an oxygen, and they come together and they create a water molecule. Well, each one of those are entities, each one of those atoms are entities, and they come together and they form a molecule, which is also an entity. So, all of that is to say is the creator is an entity. It's a being. And Ross says this. And there's only one why. There's only one why, and that is the impulse and instinct behind the creator's original cognition to know gnosis the self through experience. Now, in the law of one, Ra uses the original thought several times to um, describe or to title this desire for experience. But I did some thinking and um, I would like to use the word cognition. And there's a reason for that, and that's going to be coming clear a little bit later. But I think cognition, I actually, when I looked that up and see all of the roots, the Latin and the Greek and the, all of this that go into cognition, it actually means the experience of oneself for the purpose of knowledge. <laughs> so that's that is the original thought. And by the way, uh, it comes from the original word as um, nos. So we have the heart mind and also gnosis for knowledge, lived experiential knowledge, and con, C-O-N, which means with. So cognition is always this sense of being inside an environment or being inside a relationship. In other words, we don't know each other. We cannot know each other. You cannot know yourself unless we are in some kind of dynamic relationship with something else. That's the only way. And so the creator can't know itself unless there's some kind of manyness or plurality out there. And that is the why of it all. That is the why that there's this uh, panoply of entities, which is also the creator, because it is through the interreactions, the interrelationships between all of these entities that the creator can, that, that the original cognition gets fuller and fuller and fuller. See? Okay. The how. Well, this is just something that I threw together. I think it makes sense. Um, there's probably better ways to say it, but in order for there to be experience of the self, there must be at least three modes of being. There has to be a self that can learn. There has to be dynamic polarity between a potential and kinetic. And there has to be energy that does the work. Those three things allow for experience to take place. Um, now, <clears throat> one of the interesting things, this is where I'm going to go by memory from the paper that I wrote. Uh, one of the interesting things here is Ra subtly distinguishes between the one infinite creator and the primal logos. I'm not sure if this is important, but as a nerd like me, I kind of liked it a little bit. I'll just say from my understanding is the primal logos is the creator because the Logos itself is what creates everything. But it's also, there's a layer of the Primal Logos that's beyond and transcendent to it. And that is pure awareness. Pure awareness that has this all of a sudden instinctual drive to cog to cognize, to think, to know itself. And so that instinctual drive actually precedes, if you will, the primal logos. It's almost as if, if you can imagine um, God sleeping, <laughs> okay, God sleeping, and then all of a sudden there's a big, huge <gasps> in-breath, just a massive in-breath, so as the awareness of itself, of God's self dawns, <clears throat> it's almost like drawing breath 
in from that massive awareness. And that drawing breath is beginning of a focusing, a vortex, like a <gasps> from, from a big down into a small singularity. And the purpose of that awareness that starts to focus and become uh, into a singularity is so that there's consciousness. So the primal logos is the first seat or the epicenter of consciousness. And it is through the primal logos, it is through the word, that sounds biblical, Ross said it too, um, it is through the word that all things are made. And in fact, everything, all the logos, all the logoi, which is plural for logos, all of these things are all the experience of the primal logos experiencing itself. And we are all providing the primal logos knowledge of itself. Part of that original cognition. So then what happens is that the primal logos, if you can imagine breathing in to become aware, awareness breathes in to become a focal point that begins the primal logos's desire to experience itself. Then it throws, it breathes out like that. The raua, the Aramaic, or I think it might be Hebrew, I'm not sure, um, the breath of God, okay? The breathing out, if you can imagine, Ra, Ra paints this beautiful picture of energy in, in total, the frequency is strength. So, it's just infinite strength, just moving out, outward, outward, outward. And there's these clashes and collidings of, of, of energy moving together. It's chaotic and random. But over time, from our perspective, there starts to have some the random starts to coalesce. There's coalescing happening and energy wells start forming. And here's another energy well that starts to form. And pretty soon, the one infinite creator now is comprised of the primal logos and all of these logoi that emerge as galaxies. Okay? Emerging as galaxies. And these are the prime movers Ra talks about. So we have the primal logos breathing in to awareness, breathing out the Rahua, everything moving out. Then these have these centers, these wells that begin to form in the chaos. And they, they create new focus points that want to repeat and rec recapitulate that same creative principle, that same creative drive. And what they do is they take the template that the Primal Logos had, which is probably pretty basic. They take that same plate, um, use it, and then nuance it, refine, each one of them refining it just a little bit so that they also become aware that not only are they the mediatrix or the medium for this, the Creator's original cognition, the original thought, not only are they the mediator through that, so something coming through them, but they also are a creator in their own right. And so they can add, according to their free will, the manner of their experiencing. But they're not doing it, uh, they're not having to reinvent the cosmic wheel here. <laughs> they're doing it because they're receiving um, a pattern and a way to, to understand things, the blueprint. And so you're going to see that e each successive generation of knowing, as it begets a further knowing, it begets a new generation or a new logos, they're handing off ways, every, every logos, new logos is handed a blueprint and then basically being told, run with that. And so we do have variety, even if... Um, everything is held inside a unity and there are certain things in this unity that are um, uniform throughout the one infinite creator. And these would include, uh, for example, they would include the seven densities. 
Okay. So what I want to say about the seven densities is that Ra was saying that um, over time, and this could have been in the previous, I'm, I'm sure it was, in the previous harvest. Okay, so is there a multiverse? I'm sure there is. <clears throat> but what we do know is that there was an octave before our octave of experience. So for everything that we see and understand in our science as a universe, uh, even though it's billions of years old, all of that is one expression, okay? There was an ex expression that ended before this one began. When that harvest or that octave ended, all of the lessons of the one infinite creator learning about itself, again, and it's part of the original cognition, was packed, packaged up and delivered to the new beginning. And this new beginning didn't have to reinvent the cosmic wheel either. So it learned, it, it carried over a few things. One is the system of densities, these layers of bandwidths of consciousness that blend into each other at the edges, but they have, there's a quantum differentiation between each one of them. So for example, uh, the bandwidth of consciousness for first density at the elements, rocks and whatnot, is um, qualitatively different than the second bandwidth of consciousness, which would be uh, plants and animals. It's qualitatively different. And then that is also different than third density. So the logos, the primal logos, the one infinite creator, through all of these uh, explorations and experiments refinements of the original cognition, the original thought, has have resulted in, you could say, almost eternal structures um, that is uniform throughout the one infinite creator. Again, that would be the seven densities. And another one that this particular octave received, the universe received before it blew into um, expression was the archetype archetypal mind so raw talks about and the reason why i'm saying this is because when we get to yahweh you're going to see how this plays an important piece the archetypal mind um the last harvest the logos of that harvest discovered ways to understand itself that was nuanced it was nuanced in nine different subtle ways that all fit together. Those are called the archetypes. And when this particular logo started the universe, those nine came through and they were the blueprint of the creator going through evolution, the first density, going into the second density. And then when you get to the third density, uh, creation through evolution has moved into the level of self-awareness. And that's when the nine archetypes um, would come online. They're basically the, the basic periodi periodical table of consciousness at the very beginning of this particular octave. And what ended up happening, though, is the experience of the creator returning back to full gnosis of being creator through the psycho-spiritual evolution through the densities, it was A, not very intense, and B, took a really long time. And probably after trillions of different replications of this experiment, the one infinite creator may not have learned so much about itself. Because if a third density being has no veil, for example, a third density being has no fear or sorrow, uh, there's not much that it needs to grow and learn. And that would be true in the fourth density and so on up. So the one infinite creator, through its different logoi, experimented and came up with a novel discovery. It was an experiment. 
That is to place a veil in third density between the consciousness and unconsciousness. So over time, and Ra said it took many, many experiences, probably millions, if not a few billion years to arrive at what Ra calls the most articulated form of consciousness yet discovered in the entirety of the one infinite creator. And that is the, the, the set of 22 archetypes. That is what we operate from. So I want to actually point out something. Uh, <clears throat> I don't, this might be not news for you. It hit me pretty strong in a new way. And that is when I have read the law of one many, many times and other kinds of spiritual material, um, even though I definitely think of the, the uh, third density or, or the manifestation of the logos as being important for the Logos's way to understand, I would still, in my mind, situate the Logos or those things that are higher, like the All Mind or the Cosmic Mind. I see that as higher, because Ra talks about it in this way, that's, that's bigger. So you would think that it would contain so much, you know? Uh, and then you would think the next level of mind, the you know Galaxy Mind, and you might go to the Solar Mind and kind of goes condensates that way. But I think it, it might even be the other way around. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if we want to look at where the cutting edge of God's original cognition, if you want to look at like the absolute newest iPhone model that's just coming out right now is right here in third density behind the archetypes, the 22 archetypes. And we're not the only planet that has them, but it's, it's basically this circumference of our, our galaxy. That right now, right here in third density is the, is the absolute cutting edge of where God is experiencing God's self. And God's capacity to understand itself, the creator self, is informed by the archetypal mind, the mind that you and I operate. Why? Because it's through our capacity to understand um, beingness. Beingness in, in this illusion of separation is what gives God the cutting-edge experience of what it means to be God. That's how important it is, this experience that you and I are right now. There's, I'll tell you this way, there's nothing up there. There is nothing in fourth density, fifth density, sixth density, seventh density, at the solar logos level, at the galaxy level, at the universal level, at the, the most macro level that you can imagine. There's nothing there that is not fully and completely in, the, in its total, total plenum right here in the immediacy of your moment right now where you're at. That is the cutting edge. And from our human perspective, we don't see that. It's usually not our gnosis. But I'm here to tell you, that's what unit of consciousness is, is that when we awaken to the incredible glory and joy, just the absolute delight of, of it all being right here. Now, this is something else that I want to say. Because we are God's cutting edge, okay, there is a type of evolution of consciousness that uh, it's going to sound weird when I say this, but there's a way in which the solar logos, which is our local God, if you will, the local logos, the solar logos is the creator of our physicality and the giver or the creator of our, uh, the structure of our consciousness. Okay. So the seven densities, the, the, basically you could say that the, something like this, how I understand that the solar logos, our God, you might think of it as having created a massive, mansion 
with seven floors, but they're all empty. Okay. Completely, totally empty. It's just the structure there because the way that the solar logos is going to learn about itself is not there. What the solar logos is going to learn about itself is populated. That cognition is populated by evolution in relationship to it. So in other words, if you can think of it this way, the uh, solar logos, um, our, our sun would create this massive mansion and then would then incarnate um, inside Earth or, you know, it would, would, okay, you have, I'm, so, I'm sorry here, you, I'm very tired. So you have the solar logos and then you have the body of the logos and then you have evolution starting to happen. And as evolution starts to emerge, uh, beginning in first density and second density, this is actually what is giving the solar logos a sense of what it is. It's not like the solar logos has all the answers and then uh, is just kind of waiting for us to catch up, you know, in seventh density. And now we're all, you know, in eighth density together. Hey, Sonny, <laughs> Sonny, son. But actually, um, the way that Ra talks about it, I believe it's in 82.10, I'm not sure, but something along those lines where uh, the relationship between our son and us is not parent to child. Rather, it is co-creator to co-creator. It is creator to creator. And so you could say just as much that as the son has created our capacity to understand consciousness we are simultaneously creating the sun's capacity to know itself through this reciprocity, this mutual symbiotic relationship that's all creating consciousness together. Okay, so maybe that can help us understand a little bit about Yahweh when we're going to be moving into that right now. Okay. Another thing that seems to be very interesting, um, this is from the raw material, is that if we have the sun as, as logos, okay, but it, it does not contain incarnational intelligence. It's a baby logos. Think of it that way. It's a baby logos. Still learning how to evolve. Um, it, I'm. This is speculation, but I, I think I could make a, a strong case for it. It's inferred in the Law of One material, but I feel like in in the creators in the trajectory of development in the panoply of the One Infinite Creator, there are different lines of development, and I think that there's going to be a line of development for things like suns. Okay. And when there is um, non-incarnational intelligence, in other words, it's just starting out to incarnate and go through the densities, it's going to be paired with an, an epicenter of really, really highly developed incarnational, incarnational intelligence that's also a logos. So, for example, Ra talks about the Council of Saturn that there is a council that through there, it becomes a complex. So it becomes that gestalt. Remember we talked about the hydrogens and the atoms, the atoms coming together to create a water molecule. Well, <clears throat> the council of Saturn is one entity that's made up of these uh, extraordinarily advanced um, beings and these beings have gone through incarnation in the previous octave, and maybe some of them in this octave. The point is, though, is that it seems to me that when you have a galactic logos like the Milky Way, uh, and then you have these um, younger logoi like the Sun, that the Milky Way is going to pair the baby logos with a gardener. Okay. So you can almost see it as the sun is a garden 
but the the garden doesn't know how to garden itself. And so you're going to have um, intelligence that's gone through incarnation that's going to help aid in the gardening. Okay, help aid and steward and pastor and shepherd incarnate intelligence as the sun goes through its densities through evolution. Okay, so that the Council of Saturn, for example, is going to help Sunny Boy uh, learn how to be rocks and air and fire. And then the Council of Saturn is going to help Sunny Boy learn how to be second density. And what does it mean to be the plurality of second density life? And then third density. Now, here's something interesting is our particular sun, we are in its first cosmic rodeo, if you will. There's been other uh, things that the sun has gone through, and this is something that Neil talked about last time. So, um, we have Venus. This is what we think Venus might have looked like two billion years ago when it had life on it, uh, which is corroborated by our science, by the way. Uh, and, And so, in our solar system, in which the Council of Saturn and our sun are working in tandem to um, grow incarnated intelligence so that it evolves into becoming um, a full uh, plura- pl- a plenum or plurality of, of self-knowledge on this side of manifestation, the first opportunity was Venus. Well, what we know from Ra is that they were basically angelic. What we know from Ra, their group, because they came from Venus, they were the first ones to come from Venus, they hadn't even discovered the 22 archetypes yet. They, in other words, the the relationship be, as the Logos, the Sun Logos, didn't develop any, a lot of, wi- any much wisdom, say, through working with the raw group in terms of how to uh, understand mixed polarity and some of the complexities that we have. But then we've got what happened on Maldek. That was the next experience. Maldek blew its planet up um, because of the warlike things going on there. Maldek was a a young planet because our sun is a young sun in terms of coming to its own and starting this journey of evolution. So you might have the polar opposite. We've got Venus on one hand, super uh, wonderful, harmonious coming up, totally naive. But then we have Maldek that <laughs> were so warlike that it just, poof, they blew up. All right. Um, those beings get uh, brought over after many hundreds of thousands of years, and they actually are put in Bigfoot bodies into the Earth's inner civilizations there. Ross says that over time, um, most of those souls were able to actually harvest before Earth became a third density planet, so they went elsewhere. But a lot of them actually um, were only able to be harvested into third density proper when earth has begun our third density here. So what that means is our particular population, the root population of earth is very unique throughout the whole galaxy. Because not only do we have Maldek, but we have Mars. What did Mars do? According to Ra, they blew up their atmosphere. Everybody dies. Yahweh was the social memory complex that was in charge of Mars. It brings those souls over to earth and so that makes up another strain in fact the biggest strand rather of um souls that make up the root population of earth come from mars a quarter of them come from uh earth's second density and then ross says a quarter of them come from uh, various other planets i think it might be something like 16 other planets But notice this, all of the other planets, all of them, with the exception of um, Earth's uh, native coming from second density, I'm going to say all of them, but it might be most of them, are from planets who have repeaters on them. In other words, 
there, let's say planets elsewhere in the galaxy who went on to fourth density, you're going to have a sizable population that wasn't harvestable enough. And this might be a positive planet. So if they're not harvestable enough to go to fourth density positive, or we might have fourth density negative, not negative enough to go there. Where do they go? They get shipped to earth. All right. So this is where you get these conspiracies in the new age world. Well, it's a prison planet and you know, all these things. I'm going to argue, and I hope I get it, get there tonight. I'm going to argue that this was all part of a larger plan, way bigger than the sun's logos. So that through the relationship between the solar logos, Yahweh, and Earth, through the various ways in which there seems to be infringement and being stuck and then making mistakes and all of that, from our perspective, we could say they're mistakes. From the largest perspective, however, I, right now, believe that it was all exactly what has meant to be, so that through the Earth's stuckness, a new way for the one infinite creator could be discovered that had never been discovered before. And it might be only on Earth or it might be in certain rungs of third density planets around our particular part of the solar system. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay, so I'm going to hold, I'm going to, I'm going to give you on a cliffhanger there for a second while I move on. So Yahweh, we have yod heh vod I am who am, Yahweh. And this, what I, the way I'm understanding this is that this is the solar logos understanding itself as I am being itself. Now, we can be like, that is great. You know, you are, um, you're kind of up there, yo. You know, you're, you're shining bright with your golden self. Uh, yes, and we, it's a beautiful thing. But we could also interpret I am who am not only as being itself, but I am being itself without incarnated knowledge. So is there going to be progression here? And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> because as I said, um, we've got 25% Earth as native second density harvested beings to third, 25% from other planets, and then 50% from Mars. Now, our particular cacophony uh, of, you've heard me say many times, I think, that our um, experience on Earth is absolutely a quagmire stuck in the thought form of bellicosity. Ross says this, it's very clear in the text that this is the one thing that we can't get over is bellicosity. Uh, and I think it's a problem on one hand, but I think it's actually the very thing that allowed the One Infinite Creator to develop a new skin or layer of gnosis about itself. So we've got the Earth's bellicose, bellicose way. Um, we've got the Council of Saturn, which is working with the, it's working using Earth to basically teach the Logos, the Sun Logos, about itself. This is all for the purpose of the Sun Logos learning about itself. We and the, and the planets that have hosted um, the densities are its classroom. Its teacher is the Council of Saturn. But the means by which it is learning is through the classroom, is through um, the different planets, which have all come to a distilled point, a new crystallized, distilled point blocked, like so blocked, it's, it's immovable blocked, the earth is. Because not only is it a, a station where all of like Maldek and Mars and these other things that created our root, root stock here, but we're such a conglomeration, uh, a heterogeneous population at the soul level, not only in different from different planets with their different archetypes and all that embedded in their deep mind, but also We've got different polarities. We have some that are almost harvestable to, to negative. We have some that are almost har harvestable to positive when they came here. So this incredible amount of complexity is going to be the very thing that will allow 
the logos will let me say it this way i think it is the very thing that will allow the one infinite creator to discover a new discovery in the way that it discovered in the past octave the nine archetypes that was a discovery and then it was passed on given to the new octave the nine archetypes get experimented with over billions of years and it arrives to 22 which is the most articulated system to know consciousness okay i'm arguing that in a billion years from now two billion years from now there'll be more archetypes and the archetype that will be studied or will be added and it might even frame everything in a different way will be the um well, I'll get to it in a minute. Ha! Okay. So we have the 22 archetypal mind. Um, what happens is Yodhe Vohe becomes Yohe Shin Vohe. Now, last week, Neil spoke about how this happened because uh, Yo- uh, Yahweh had done some genetic things to uh, Yahweh's crop and um, it didn't turn out the way because it actually furthered on this experience of bellicosity. Um, again, I think this is all part of a, a master plan that's way, way bigger than the logo, the sun logos. Yohe Vohe actually learns and nuances itself to become Yohe Shin Vohe, which is I am with you. Emmanuel. So in other words, I am who am, I am being itself, now is I am being itself who is with you. That's a new nuance that the one infinite creator now knows about itself in solidarity. But I'm arguing that Emmanuel or the I am with you that was brought inside to the human collective consciousness through the um, embedding embedding the narrative within the Jewish population, the Emmanuel, I think that was a thought form or a beginning of a vortex that existed in time-space. And it actually emerged in space-time as the Yehoshua event. Okay? So what I'm saying here is that Yahweh became Emmanuel, that's a nuancing, that is that is the one infinite creator through the Logos learning about a specific way to be with creation as kindness. Kindness, by the way, because Ross says that the Logos had um, a bias, our son has a bias towards kindness. Kindness, root word, is kin. And if you know what kin means, it means family. Okay? So there's this sense that the very sun itself, Yahweh as a Logos, is understanding itself as a family. Okay, and that is intuited by the Jewish people. The sense of um, I am who am, and I am, I am here with you. And I'm going to say that it actually moves to I am in it with you. That is the Jesus Christ event. So it goes from I am who am to I am with you. That means Emmanuel, Yohei Shin Vohei, to then the Christ event was, was a portal that allowed the fullness of the one infinite creator to come into third density and experience third density as as this conglomeration, as a new complex. Remember what a uh, complex is? A gestalt? It's different ingredients. So for those of you who know the law of one material, we know that Jesus was an entity who was a fourth density wanderer. So that would be one ingredient. That would be one of the constituent parts that goes in this complex. Another one would be um, the fact that the earth was and is but certainly was even more completely stuck, quagmired as it was in bellicosity. There's another one. Another one is um, the desire of the logos to learn about itself. That constant primal 
original cognition to experience the self. That goes in there. So there's like all these different constituent parts to create a Jesus Christ complex. And I don't mean like a Messiah complex, but <laughs> a Jesus Christ um, gestalt that ushered in a new kind of experience for the one infinite creator that had not existed before. And that is the one infinite creator's plenum and totality coming face to face inside and under the veil of the third density experience. Okay, so now we have the one infinite creator's own evolution moving from learning about the seven densities as to structure consciousness to learning about the nine archetypes, then those get experimented to, to arrive at the, the greatest level, which is 22. And what I'm thinking is that this event was always, if you will, planned for in the name of the one infinite creator constantly learning how to learn about itself. And what for it might have been just a, oh, let's try it this way, could have been a billion years of setting things up. But the point is, is that I think uh, just to kind of summarize this, I think Yahweh's that we read in Quo and in Law of One seems to be a very naive kind of like WTF, uh, why are you doing all of this um, thing, you know, social memory complex. I'm arguing that the Yahweh social memory complex was the personification of the, of the logos itself, the sun logos, which was kind of, if you will, a baby logos that was learning about itself through incarnation. And it's from our perspective, infringement upon the free will was actually a part of the larger plan that would create the conditions on earth to be such that it would allow uh, you allow through karmic uh, balancing all of this allow for the logos plenum and fullness to enter into um, the illusion of separation in a new incredibly intimate almost cons consummation of it that had never existed in that kind of intensity before.